Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. From St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. So along with that, it's a combination of stigma, racism and medicine, judgment of the person sitting in front of you. Just because sort of the end treatment is so accessible and cheap doesn't necessarily mean that mitigation Mm -hmm. doesn't cost a lot of money and time. And skill and Mm -hmm. experience. So someone comes in and says, oh, I'd like to be tested for STIs. They may just think gonorrhea and chlamydia, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe they'll think HIV. But are they also testing for syphilis? There's a distinction between the actual amount of syphilis that's out in a community and the reported cases of that particular disease. I'm Elaine Chung. During the pandemic, people stayed apart physically to reduce COVID exposure and risk. That distancing also contributed to prevention of another sort of spread. The numbers of reported cases of syphilis, the numbers of reported cases of syphilis and other sexually transmitted diseases fell too. However, since 2021, both St. Louis County and St. Louis However, since 2021, both St. Louis and St. Louis County have reported dramatic spikes in syphilis cases in particular, and it's a trend that hasn't been seen to the same degree with cases of gonorrhea and other infections. St. Louis Public Radio health reporter Sarah Fenton has been following this trend in STIs. Dr. Hilary Reno, Associate Professor of Medicine at Washington University, also serves as Medical Director of the St. Louis County Sexual Health Clinic and as a medical consultant for the Centers of Disease Control, sees what's been happening from a clinical and community perspective. Both are here to discuss the serious health trend and what we should know about transmission, testing, treatment, and protection for ourselves and others. Sarah and Dr. Reno, welcome to the show. Hi, Elaine. Sarah, syphilis continues to spread in St. Louis and St. Louis County, as well as through the state of Missouri, and rates are increasing. How do you characterize this recent increase in cases over time, especially in comparison to past decades? So I can't go back decades. There's been a more than 250% increase in the number of reported syphilis cases statewide, and we're seeing similar increases at the local level here in St. Louis and St. Louis County, both since 2015 have risen more than 200% in terms of the number of reported syphilis cases. And other diseases, including gonorrhea, have also gone up since then, but not nearly in the same way that syphilis has. Mm -hmm. Dr. Reno, are you alarmed by what you are seeing? The quick answer is yes. I do think that there are many times to do an intervention and to really push hard to uh, help reduce these rates, and that is this time. Mm -hmm. Um, Many people are surprised when they hear that the current rates of STIs are increasing, especially with syphilis. I hear quite a bit, 
what do you mean that's still around? Mm -hmm. And it's not just with syphilis, but also congenital syphilis, whose rates have gone up by over 2,000% over the same time period in Missouri. And I think the the surprise I hear from people is alarming to me, too. Mm -hmm. What do you think accounts for that? I mean, you've talked about, is that still around? Like, I think of Edgar Allan Poe when I think of syphilis. Yeah, didn't Nietzsche have syphilis? <laughs> I, believe, I mean, the, the list of, of people, right. including Abraham Lincoln mm-hmm. and Scott Joplin, mm-hmm. close to here, and many more, mm-hmm. did have syphilis. So, right. I mean, how has it dropped off sort of the, the popular culture or awareness radar? Right. It's a very good question. We did have rates really decline after the 1990s. And I think that's probably why most people today are like, well, what do you mean syphilis is still around? Um, But what we see now is this like intersection, what we call a syndemic of people who use substances um, with HIV, hepatitis and STIs transmission. And that's not too different than what we saw in the 80s and 90s with an increase in substance use in that time. And so I think it's, this is part awareness. um, But I think that we have to recognize along with this, the fact that other challenges in public health are really prominent right now, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Such as (laughs) <laughs> such as the substance use. Right. H- our HIV cases are generally new cases are leveling off, but there's a big national push to really drive us to zero uh, when it comes to HIV transmission. But a key part of that work is STI control. Mm-hmm. And so I, especially with syphilis, um, people who have syphilis in one New York study were likely to acquire HIV in an average of 1.6 years after their syphilis diagnosis. So they're very closely linked. Mm -hmm. Now, Sarah, in your reporting, what have you learned about what's causing the rapid rise in syphilis? Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm sure Dr. Reno can talk about this as well, because I talked to her for the story that I worked on. But one of the big things that we're seeing is this disease is spreading in a lot of different demographic groups. And so, for example, it's not confined like we saw with MPOX over last summer and into the fall. Um, That was really confined to certain sexual orientations and behaviors. But like we learned with COVID, the more people who are infected, the more a disease spreads. And so when you're seeing a spread among a lot of different demographics, you're going to see a spread in the number of cases. Uh, And other experts have talked about how during the same period, you're seeing increased drug use and other risky behaviors that can sometimes go hand in hand with sexually transmitted diseases, including syphilis. And finally, Noah Taborda at KCUR in Kansas City did some great reporting about how a lot of the mitigation for sexually transmitted transmitted diseases, it's done through public health departments. Mm -hmm. And at the local level. And for years, those departments have been stretched thin financially, and they've been working with limited staff, outdated technology. Obviously, they've had a lot on their plate with COVID and vaccine rollouts for the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing to mention is that these are also reported cases. So when you see a dip, it might, like like what we saw during the pandemic, we saw a decrease in the number of cases, and they went back up in 2021. Part of that could be that people just aren't getting tested even though they're infected. Mm -hmm. And so especially with a disease like syphilis that often people don't know they have, 
there's a distinction between the actual amount of syphilis that's out in a community and the reported cases of that particular disease. Mm-hmm. What are the symptoms, Dr. Reno, of syphilis? And do some people, I mean, it sounds like there are people who have it, maybe who don't experience symptoms at all? That's very true. It's true for most STIs that, you know, probably 70 to 85, 80% of people with an STI don't have symptoms. But syphilis presents initially with a painless ulcer, um, uh, usually in the genital area, but it can be at any site of sexual contact. So you can have it in the mouth or around the rectum. Um, and this painless sore may not be detected by someone who has it, it goes away on its own without treatment. And then somewhere between six and 12 weeks later, people can have a rash. The rash can be barely noticeable or it could be really noticeable. And it's this stage of syphilis where people usually come to see um, and seek care. It's called secondary syphilis. The rash then also goes away without treatment. At that time, though, people can also have involvement of other parts of their body, like kidneys or liver damage. Untreated syphilis can lead to vision loss, neurologic symptoms like stroke or memory issues, um, and it can also cause damage to the heart vessels. Mm -hmm. So untreated, this is a very serious illness. And I believe there are additional effects that may Um, that may hit those who are pregnant. Yes. And what are those? Right. And unfortunately, we've seen sharper rise of rates in people of pregnant potential. And so congenital syphilis of transmission during pregnancy of syphilis um, can result in at least documented 40 to 50 percent of those cases end in stillbirth. And our rates again here have gone up over 2,000 mm-hmm. percent. So it is, uh, it's lethal and fatal yes. in, in multiple ways. Yes. We're speaking now with Dr. Hilary Reno, Associate Professor of Medicine at Washington University, and Sarah Fenton, our St. Louis Public Radio health reporter. We're talking about the dramatic spike in syphilis cases as well as um, increases in other STI, uh, other STI spread. You know, Sarah, you had mentioned earlier that there are many demographics, demographic groups that are affected by what is happening. Mm-hmm. Are there generational differences at play um, that folks might not consider about who gets and passes syphilis along? I know that syphilis is spreading in a lot of different age groups and a lot of, and also, you know, you're seeing for example, pregnant women getting syphilis because there is a rise in congenital syphilis. I'm going to throw that to Dr. Reno. Sorry. Mm, sure. I don't mean to pass it off to you, but I feel like you would probably know more than me about so that. So it's interesting with syphilis. Unlike gonorrhea and chlamydia, where we see about 50% of the cases and those under 25 years old, syphilis does tend to be more common in those who are over 25. And... Um, in the, that group of late 20s and then 30-year-olds. Um, that has probably not a, like a direct, I can put, put a pin into why that is, but it has been that way for a long time, though in all age groups we're seeing increases. And to that point, something that I've heard, uh, my sister-in-law is mm-hmm. a nurse practitioner, mm-hmm. and she works in geriatrics. Right. Um, she goes to nursing homes, and something that she mentioned is that STIs are, um, they are thriving in Mm -hmm. nursing home situations. Yes. I mean, the rates are still much lower than we see in younger people. um, But it's, 
any sexual contact can transmit an STI. So I hope that when we were all when we are all older, that we were able to instill joy and a healthy sex life. And sometimes STIs go along with that. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason I brought that up is that you had mentioned, Sarah, that public health departments have largely been responsible for addressing um, these kinds of spikes, and the public in- includes everybody, mm-hmm. right? Dr. Reno, what does treatment of syphilis look like? So treatment of syphilis is um, actually pretty fantastic. We have penicillin. Um, You may have heard of that antibiotic. It's very common. Um, It's very affordable, at least um, when it's it's purchased through the um, appropriate programs to the point where it's really pennies for a treatment. It is does require usually an injection of penicillin, either one to three shots, depending on how long someone may have had syphilis. And if they have any involvement of the eye or their brain, then they will need IV penicillin. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does require someone to go to a facility to get mm-hmm. that penicillin treatment, right? And like we said, our often our local health departments have this in supply. Um, Um, But our health departments have seen staffing problems, and we also have the challenges of funding issues. Mm -hmm. Um, And so keeping local health departments open so that they can treat people with syphilis um, and have the expertise to manage them is very important. Mm -hmm. Right. That's like a totally valid point because you can only get treatment once you know you have syphilis. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, if I'm not mistaken, you need to do a blood draw. Am yes. I correct? And right. there needs to be someone to do a blood draw. There needs to be a lab to look at the blood. There needs to be a clinic for somebody to go to. So, And then they need to know about the clinic and know that you can go. Um, and so all of these, just because sort of the end treatment is so accessible and cheap doesn't necessarily mean that mitigation Mm -hmm. doesn't cost a lot of money and time. Mm -hmm. And skill and Mm -hmm. experience. And unfortunately, in some of our health departments, even in our clinical settings, we've had people retire or leave the field over the past few years, and we lose their experience. Mm -hmm. So would you say that is an area for opportunity for people maybe who are looking to get into medicine in this way? Oh, yes. I have lots of undergrads that work with me, as well as um, graduate medical um, uh, trainees, and we are happy to treat to teach people about sexual health care. Mm-hmm. Now, why aren't more people getting screened for STIs? You've talked about access to a means of testing. Yeah. I mean, blood draws. That I don't know too many people who are fans of being poked with a needle for you know for most reasons. Right. Um, Are there other impediments, though, to screening that maybe are very particular to St. Louis and St. Louis County? I mean, I would say that we are looking at a field of medicine that is challenged by the probably the highest degree of healthcare disparities that we see of any area of medicine. And so along with that goes a combination of stigma Mm -hmm. and then racism. Um, Racism in medicine, judgment of the person sitting in front of you. Um, STIs, I think a lot of people, whether you're a healthcare worker or a public health official or anyone, policymaker, you tend to approach this as this is something that someone has, but we don't think about it from the population perspective. Mm -hmm. And so what we really need is an open discussion 
um, non-judgmental, sex-positive care that focuses on making someone healthy mm-hmm. and not punishing them. And so that is a huge barrier to getting testing. In addition, because, like I said at the beginning, even healthcare providers can be like, I didn't know syphilis was around still. They may not be testing for syphilis. If someone comes in and says, oh, I'd like to be tested for STIs, they may just think gonorrhea and chlamydia, right? Mm. Maybe they'll think HIV. But are they also testing for syphilis? Mm. And I've seen, unfortunately, a lot of people who get their you know, well-person checkup every year, every couple of years, including their um, pap smear and are tested for gonorrhea and chlamydia, but not for syphilis and HIV. Mm-hmm. And we did think about these infections together. Now, how do you avoid contracting this disease? Well, there's lots of options. So you have barrier protections like condoms, dental dams, but you also need to talk to your partners. And getting tested, um, if you don't get tested before you have sex with someone, that's okay. Get tested when you can. Take your partner or partners with you. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of places around the city and the county that do it for free or for very low cost. Mm -hmm. So it's accessible. The last, sure. Oh, I was just going to say, you can go to gettestedstl.org. It links to the St. Louis County Department of Public Health's sexual health resource page. And on that page, you'll have a lot of information. And at the bottom is a button you can press to get a map of all the testing sites in the region. There's a lot more to explore with this, and uh, I hope that we will have an opportunity to speak with you both again about this. So Dr. Hilary Reno is Associate Professor of Medicine at Washington University and also the Medical Director of St. Louis County's Sexual Health Clinic. She also serves as a medical consultant with the Centers for Disease Control. Sarah Fenton is the health reporter for St. Louis Public Radio. The website that Dr. Reno mentioned earlier, I'm sorry. It's get tested. Get tested. STL. STL.org. Yes. Get yes. tested. That's the, the take home. Um, you can check that out for more information. Thank you both for being here today. Thanks, Elaine. Thank you. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Alex Hoyer is our executive producer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.